This podcast is brought to you by Glitterati Communications. Learn more about Glitterati at BeGlitterati.com. What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Okay, uh, welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Nikki Yanoski. Wow. Uh, so Nikki, uh, for the people who are unfamiliar, what is it that you do? I am a jazz singer. I've been singing uh since I'm around 12 years old, so for a really long time. And yeah, I've been doing this like my whole life. So that's the idea. So I usually like to ask people what kind of a kid they were if they knew that this was going to be the thing. So I'm guessing you've known pretty much forever. Oh, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. There was never a time in my life where the question, what do you want to be when you grow up, wasn't met with a singer. It was always that. Right. So you were you you were the kid that was just like constantly singing in at home and stuff like that. Oh yeah! Not only was I constantly singing, I was like constantly putting on shows for my two older brothers and my parents, and I would force them to listen to me. And if they would start talking in the middle of a performance, I would stop my song and then give them a look, and then <laughs> carry on when they would stop. <laughs> oh, I love it! I love it. Early diva vibes. Uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> what kind? So, I mean, you're into jazz. What kind of music were your parents listening to? I'm guessing they were listening to jazz in the house. No, it's so funny. They didn't listen to jazz at all. I actually grew up listening to a lot of classic rock and a lot of Motown. Yeah. That's what I really grew up on. And I fell in love with music uh, from listening to Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder. Those were like my two biggest heroes growing up. And then I started performing all around my hometown because I was just itching to get on stage. So my parents said, okay, you could start doing shows if you want, but like for charity, things like that. So I would do a lot of different charity shows around Montreal, which is where I'm from. Mm -hmm. And then in the audience at one of those shows was the founder of the Montreal Jazz Festival. And he heard me sing and he asked if I would open up the whole festival. At the time I was like 11 years old. And by the time the summer rolled around, I was 12. But I remember distinctly saying to my mom after we had accepted this opportunity and everything, I said to her, well, if I'm singing at a jazz festival, I should probably learn some jazz. And she said, that's a good idea, but it's not really like a straight up jazz fest. They have all types of music and all types of artists that come. Um, I said, yeah, but still, I think it would be the right thing to do. So I went and on on the computer in like we had like a you, I don't know, it was back in like 2006. Mm-hmm. So we had just like one computer for our whole True. house. And I went out onto iTunes and I typed jazz. And the first name that popped up was Ella Fitzgerald. And I heard her voice and completely fell in love. It was actually Airmail Special, which is like a four minute scat. And I was determined to learn it. I was like, this is unlike anything I'd ever heard before. And um, yeah, once I listened to her, I, I just, there was no going back for me. I, I became obsessed. Right, right. That's That's so cool. You have a fantastic voice, by the way. Um, Thank you. So you're current, you're still based in Montreal at this point? Uh, no, I live in Miami live in now. Miami. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Cool, cool. So um, it's called uh, Nikki by Starlight. 
and you actually you you re you, I heard you recorded it on a vintage mic that's like an RCA seventy seven C. Is it the yeah. it's the same one that Ella Fitzgerald used, or is it the exact same one that Ella Fitzgerald used? I don't think it's not okay. the exact same one, but it's the same year. It'd be really cool if it were, but no, that's probably in a museum. <laughs> it's a, it's the same year. It's the same exact model. I think also Frank Sinatra recorded on it pretty often mm. as well. It was just like a really, uh, really good mic from the from that era. Right, and you you've described yourself as like Ella Fitzgerald meets meets uh, Frank Sinatra, have you? Yeah, that's like well, that's. That's my dream to be like that. Like that's, <laughs> it's not necessarily that I would say I am those two put together, but it's it's definitely like those are my two biggest heroes. Okay. And naturally, I pull from that when I'm recording, when I'm working on arrangements and stuff with my arranger, Paul Schroffel, who co-produced this record with me. I was definitely sending a lot of references of Ella and also mostly Frank, honestly, for this album. Mm. A lot of Frank influence, a lot of like classic stuff that he used to do and yeah, a lot of Frank influence on this one. So I, I've been listening to it, and it's it, it's a nice it's a nice vibe. It's just like I I like to create yeah. and paint and stuff like that to music. So I was like, this is nice. this is giving me that vibey feel. Um, That's so cool. If ever you paint something to this album, I would love to see oh, it. Really? I would love to see what it evokes in you. Yeah, okay. that'd be so cool. We'll do. I will do. Uh, I I will do that. Um, and actually, I wanted to ask you with the uh, recording on that vintage mic, did it like what was the reason for that? Did you feel like because, you know, with all these advantages in technology and perfect this and perfect that, uh, there is something like, you know, people might ask me, why are you painting when there's NFTs that exist? Uh, you know, what was it about that mic? I think that in our quest for perfection, we end up losing a lot of the character that, you know, all the things that we think we're running away from, like when we got, when we stopped recording things to tape because we wanted to go digital, we lost that like little white noise sort of underlying on all these re recordings that give it that warmth. And I feel like the same could be said for all different things to technology. The things that once were considered imperfections end up giving character. And I think that um, recording on an old mic, I wanted to capture that character and capture the nuance that sometimes you just lose when things are too pristine. I didn't want it to feel clean. I wanted it to feel real. I wanted it to feel uh, like, especially real to that era. I think that honestly, every day people are falling in love with this music, with jazz. There's a kind of a whole new wave of, of like a younger demographic even that's rediscovering these songs. And they don't necessarily have the opportunity to experience it the way that it was created back then. And I really wanted to give a modern audience this sort of gateway to relive that that classic jazz magic. I wanted to really like hone in on that and, and offer it to a new audience. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I love that too. It's um, there's something to be said for that. It just, it feels human, it feels more human, yeah. Yeah. So um, you have uh, Comes Love. That was, uh, I believe, was that the first single? Why, yeah, why, was, was, first single. why was that one uh, chosen? Um, that song in particular. So this album, it's a collection of my favorite jazz standards. And I tried to pick songs that could each have a different vibe, a different feeling, but that all felt very cohesive together. So you have a lot of like, there's a lot of strings on this record. 
but then there's songs that have no strings and are just trio. There are songs that are just like big band and there are songs that have a little bit of everything. And I found that Comes Love was a good representation of that little bit of everything. There's no strings on it, but it has the slinky trio thing where it builds slowly. It's a slow burn. It has a sultry aspect to it. There's really fun horns on there that I find really paint a picture of like this old speakeasy from the 60s or late 50s. And that's really, I thought it was a good represent, representative sort of as like my first little pot, like view into this album. Gotcha. Gotcha. So what do you say to people who say jazz is for old people? Um, They're missing out, I guess. I think that it's like, you know, I, it's not for everybody, you know, but I think that I think that jazz is well, it's the truest American art form. And it's also really a form of expression and freedom. Like for me, jazz is just all about self-expression and there's no rules, which is something I love about it. And when if someone were to say, oh, I'm not into jazz. I would just say maybe they haven't heard the right jazz yet or they haven't heard the jazz that speaks to them because it's such a it's such a wide net like I feel like there's all different types of jazz within the genre it's not just like one size fits all it's really open to interpretation I guess it would be sort of similar to the most similar to like a, a form of art like painting mm -hmm. you know where everybody has a brush but they create something different on their canvas sure. that's what jazz is for me it's like it's one genre but in that genre like you can have 10 people playing the same instrument and they're all going to have their own voice mm -hmm. which is what's really cool right love that love that so um you first uh i first became aware of you like back in 2010 with the uh, you know the olympic games you sang wow. the national anthem uh, at the vancouver games and <laughs> uh, you had the theme song believe and all of that and uh, oh yeah the, <laughs> <laughs> what i mean you got a lot of cosigns you you actually got to meet stevie wonder throughout some of your career you've you've um you got to meet Quincy Jones. You've, you've got a lot of cosigns from these people. And, and what what was it like specifically, I guess, back then as a youngster kind of getting thrown into that environment? I think ignorance is bliss to an extent. Like looking back on it now, I was so fearless because of my age. I think I just, the older I got, the more aware I got of my circumstance and the opportunities that were coming to me. But I think once you're in it and you realize that you're capable, it's like you don't have room to be nervous. It's just you have to be prepared and that that you get out in front of that mm -hmm. feeling and you use it to help you become great. That's really what I was going. And also when you're especially when you're surrounded by people like like I had Quincy Jones as my mentor for a really long time. And he's he's been so supportive of me. And he also inspired so much of my album. There's actually the only song on this album that isn't an original arrangement is let me love you, which is a Quincy Jones arrangement wow. because I wanted to say, I want to say thank you to him. So I have that. And then um, also, yeah, getting to sing with Stevie wonder and, you know, some of my heroes like Herbie Hancock and like a lot of these like heavyweights, it's scary. It, it, I'm not going to, it is scary, <laughs> but there's a part of you that thinks, well, okay, if they trust me, to perform with them and to collaborate with me, then I must have something. And even if you don't necessarily believe it yourself, the fact that these greats are putting their trust in you to some degree, it sort of forces you to say, well, I trust them. Mm. So it, it kind of like you rise to the occasion because of that. And you don't want to disappoint them either. So to me, that was always like a really big um, 
factor of just like feeling okay even if I feel a little bit of imposter syndrome like what am I doing here clearly I'm okay if I'm if I'm here with them and and they're okay to share a stage with me it's okay I I can do it you know that's kind of like that yeah that's that's great because I can see it easily being like oh man I you just freeze up and you forget who you are and why you're there like that's I, I I like to think of it too I mean I play sports and sometimes people will say you know our rookie is you know got a little bit too much ego but I'm kind of like they're on the same stage as as these people for a reason to play so they they kind of it's nice to have that confidence and, and be aware that you know you're there for a reason at such a young age so that's I get that for sure and I also, there's a quote that I love. It says, it's one thing to be on the right track and it's another thing to just sit there. Like you can't mm. just sit there. If you have these opportunities, you need to meet them with hard work because it's not, it's, they don't just keep coming to you if, you if you don't do anything about it. You have to continue putting in the time and you know honing in on your craft, like anything. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, with all of that stuff that happened, did you uh, spend much time in Montreal or did you end up like kind of getting swept away into other worlds (laughs) i was working a lot in a lot of different places like from when i was i would say like 14 to 16 i spent so much time in new york uh because the jazz scene there is amazing i was working with phil ramone who produced my very first album Mm. um and he works out of new york city so i was there a ton and then i was there also doing like promo stuff i had a lot of shows I got to play Carnegie Hall a few times and then jazz at Lincoln Center. And like, it's just like a really good sort of environment for jazz. So I spent a lot of my, my like teenage years in New York back and forth and then working with Quincy and um, like a lot of the times that I performed with Herbie or any of those uh, amazing musicians. I was in LA a lot, but I was always like, my roots were always in Montreal. It was, it would be strange because I would like be touring. I would get up, I would tour, I would go to like tour Europe, for example, for like, three weeks and then I go back to school (laughs) (laughs) it's just like I I always thought I was actually you know Hannah I mean I wasn't the same stage but same same level of fame but like Hannah Montana where she had to just put on like two caps you know like you go into school you're one way and then you leave and you gotta be a professional yeah yeah so what were like your the people you went to school with what did they think of all of this or did they treat you any differently or anything like that I had a bit of a hard time in school. Like I, I had a lot, there was like a few people who, you know, I don't know that I definitely was treated a, a little differently, but not for, not in a positive uh, way. I would say if anything, it was a negative, it was negative, right. you know, but um, I really, really never spoke about anything I did in school because I didn't ever want to bring that attention to myself. It was just like, if they hear about it, that's fine. But I didn't want to go off and, you know, talk about everything I was doing outside of there. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of be like a, like a normal kid right right yeah. that's so fascinating uh it, it really could go either way like kids kids are I mean I, I have teenagers so I I see how things can, can play out and uh it's it's not always great no so uh with that said like what do you love most about uh making music I kind of I guess I touched on it a little bit before but I, I'll elaborate more especially within jazz, I love the, the, um, the freedom of creativity. Mm. Like what I loved, what I love about music, well, when I was writing my own music and I still do write, but now I'm really focusing on, on recreating these jazz standards in my own way. Yeah. Um, but I love being able to express something 
and have it be there permanently. Like it's like a moment, a fleeting feeling that's captured forever on a track. And it's also really interesting to create something from air. Like it's just wasn't, it didn't exist. And then now it does. I find that so cool. I love that music connects people um, in a way that nothing else really does. Even if you don't speak the same language, you could just connect on a feeling. Mm -hmm. I love that element of it. I love that the, even performing live, that is so incredible that everybody is collectively in a room to experience one moment in time together. I think it's really beautiful. Okay. And, and with jazz, what I love is um, the way that it kind of works with jazz standards is that there was always, especially when they were being written, there was this like kind of collective, there was the Great American Songbook and everybody could pick one, like pick a song from it. If a song would get popular, everybody, every major artist at the time would do their own version of that song. And whichever was the best or whichever spoke to the, you know, the general public the most, if it struck a chord with people that would rise to the top and then they would get famous for their version. But it wasn't their song. It was just like a, a song that anybody, it was up for grabs, mm -hmm. anybody could do it. Um, and that's what I love so much about it now and how I'm trying to approach it is if I were around when these songs are being written, how would I have interpreted it? Like you think of the song, for example, like Fly Me to the Moon, Frank Sinatra comes to mind. But, you know, Julie London also did a version of that back then that was like really popular as well. It's just that Frank's really stood the test of time uh, as like the version. Right. But everybody has like their own version of a song that was really big at the time. I think that's so cool. There's no other genre of music that does that. You know, it's not like it's not like every major artist would go out and sing, you know, I don't know, like a Justin Bieber song. It's his song. And it's not everybody would do it, you know. Right. Right. That's that's interesting. I, I didn't actually know that. I feel, feel dumb for not knowing that. But but that's cool. that's cool. I'm happy, I'm happy I was able to share that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did. I didn't know. Um, so if you had to pick one song that's your favorite from the album, what would you say it is? It's really hard it's that's like I've, I've thought about this because I had a feeling that I would get asked this question and it's really <laughs> it's really hard to choose because I feel like every song suits a different mood and has a different purpose I really love the title track Stella by Starlight I, I called this album Nikki by Starlight based on that because that song it was one of the first songs that I was listening to it was Miles Davis who was who that's whose version I was listening to and I was like this is just spectacular. It, it, it really hit me in a way that made me want to come back to jazz. That was like one of the pivotal moments that I can really pinpoint and say that was the song that I listened to that I was like, I need to be doing this again. Like, I miss this. I really miss this. And um, I don't know why, you know, it was just an instrumental version. And then when I looked at the actual lyrics and the way that the song went when there was, you know, a singer on it, um, I, I, I thought it was so poetic and beautifully written mm. and then when I was in the actual recording process when I was in the booth and I was singing it I was really feeling like a type of way and I, I realized afterwards I guess or kind of in the moment while I was singing it this is sort of a love song but to jazz like the song describes the most beautiful thing that you've ever heard the most beautiful sight you've ever seen something almost divine mm. and to me that's what jazz is and that's what it's always been for me it's like it's just this, yeah, it's just this feeling and uh, almost like a purpose for me. It really feels like this is what I'm meant to be doing. I've never felt more comfortable and more myself. And um, 
yeah, when I finished that song, I was like, wow, this is my love song to jazz. And that's why I called it Nikki by Starlight, because that this whole album is sort of a, a love letter to the genre. But that song in particular was about that. Yeah. Cool. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I, my understanding, and I listened to some of your older music, you kind of dipped off of the jazz train for a bit and sort of went more of a poppy vibe, I'd say. Is, would that yeah. be accurate? For sure. I would say that's accurate. I think even in my pop stuff, there was an underlying, like, you heard that my roots were in jazz, because whenever I would yeah. write music, you just pull from what you're inspired from. So there was always like an element of jazz, even in like one of my bigger songs, Necessary Evil, there's like, you know, horns and the melody is super like minor and has this slinky feel to it that is very jazzy. And also my vibrato is very, like, I have a trill that is just very, it's, I can't really help it it just that's it comes out very jazzy because of how I learned how to sing mm. but um yeah I think because I started so young in jazz I started to uh almost resent what it brought me because it 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 brought me away from people my own age I was touring I was doing stuff and I was enjoying it in the moment but I guess there was a subconscious feeling of like of a loneliness and I equated that to jazz mm. and then as I've gotten older I recognized that really really wasn't about that it wasn't about the genre it wasn't the genre that I didn't like it was what it brought me and what it represented in my life but now it only represents the purest part of me which was the falling in love with the music to begin with you know what I, I, and wow that's so deep uh, you know even for me like as an artist like running away from you know my who I am as a person and then coming back and seeing like, ah, oh, man, that's what I actually want to be making as art. It's the stuff that, yeah. that, that stuff you uh, were trying to separate yourself from uh, to a bit, to an extent. Uh, and, and I sense that honestly, listening to this, it did feel like natural in a way uh, for you. So I, I, I felt it. So <laughs> um, yeah. Good. I'm really happy to hear that. No, I, I felt it too when I was making it, you know, it really did feel just effortless. Like the whole process was really something. It, it was, it felt very special and I, I'm so excited to continue making more. Right. All right. So are you uh, currently on tour right now? No, I'm not. I'm going to be doing some shows around uh, like Toronto um, and Ottawa. I think like it was just some, some spots in Canada in March okay. and um, hopefully some U.S. shows also and also Europe. Uh, I think I'm going to be doing some stuff in France over the summer. We'll see. But yeah, like there's there's been a really great initial reaction to this. So it's promising in order in being able to get up and go on the road. It'd be really fun to be able to tour this stuff. Right. Have you um, considered doing a French language album? Yes, I have. Um, I, I wanted to give a little like taste of that, I guess, on this record. There's there's Comment Allez-vous, which has some French. And then there's C'est si bon, which is a full-on French song. And then there's an Italian song on the record. I've never spoken a word of Italian in my life, <laughs> but I just I wanted to do it because I thought it was a really pretty song. Um, but yeah, I, I would be definitely interested in doing a full-on French record, even if it was just like a, a short like EP, like five song type situation. It'd be, it'd be nice to do that, I think. Yeah. I, I find it like it's funny when you said about like not necessarily understanding the language to to uh, get the feeling of music. I've been listening to some Spanish music lately, and I just like, I don't speak Spanish, but it's just the feeling. You but you feel it. it doesn't matter. <laughs> you you speak music, right? That's it. That's what music is. Yeah, yeah. So with all of this stuff that's going on, and I I ask I love to ask this question because I struggle with this. Well, no, I don't. Not really. But 
what do you do for fun? Do you like, I know as creative people, we're living in the world where we do that thing for fun all the time, but is there something else besides music? Really music is all encompassing for me, but I feel like it's a boring answer to just say, <laughs> no, I just play music all the time. I am, I do other things too. I actually do love to draw and like, I and to paint oh, and stuff. Nice. That's really fun. I love, um, I, I, this is like a, kind of a strange answer, but I love being in nature. Like, I don't know if that would be considered fun. Sure. I love like going for walks and being outside. I just find it like you, you feel connected to something so much bigger than you, which is like, I think it's important to find ways of doing that. Mm. Um, I love also like movies and TV. I'm a big, like, I watch a lot of shows and, and movies and things like that. Oh. Really anything artistic. I, I love it. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. So what, what are you watching right now? Well, House of the Dragons, obviously. Ah, but you know, it's funny as I didn't watch Game of Thrones. Oh, really? I haven't watched it yet because I kind of missed the boat. And then like everything was getting spoiled. And I was like, okay, I have to wait until there's enough time to not have any of these spoilers, actually. And I have to just not remember. Mm -hmm. I have to not remember what I've read, you know? Right. So I'm watching it in order because it's a prequel. So I'm kind of starting with this. And then obviously I'll go to Game of Thrones. Yeah. My favorite of all time is The Sopranos. Oh, okay. That's like my favorite show ever. Six Feet Under also is one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I mean, those are show for shows. Uh, movies, I don't know, it changes all the time. Uh, it's like The Godfather, obviously. Mm -hmm. And then um, they're so polar opposite, but I love the movie La La Land. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think yeah. that also helped me reconnect with jazz in a way. Yeah. You know, like I was watching that. I was like, oh, I, I relate to this. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like I, 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 I have more, but it's escaping me right now. Yeah, no, no. How about you? No, I'm, I'm like super on the the House of the Dragon right now, and I, I was a little bit late to the Game of Thrones thing, but like I think when the last season came along, I, I just said finally because I was the same thing. I was on the online, and people I knew who these characters were, I knew what they did, I, and I had never watched an episode yeah. of the show, and it's like. I, I felt like it was spoiled, but then I just, I, I just bit the bullet, went back and watched it. And I was like, okay, I'm in, I'm in. And uh, yeah, I'm, right. I'm loving yeah. House of the Dragon. So I still have a hard time keeping track of all the names. Like it's just a lot to remember. I'm like, wait, who is that? I feel like everyone, I saw a meme. It was like, you can't even spoil it for me if you want, because I don't know what anyone's name is. Everyone in my mind is Aragorn. I like, know. That's it, you know. It's like, oh, Aegon, another Viserys. And it's like, they're all like, and then some of the names are similar too. So it's like similar. And then multiple yeah. characters have the same name. And some of the same characters, some names are from Game of Thrones. So sometimes they'll bring up a name and I, I automatically think of the Game of Thrones character and it's like, oh man, that's, that's talking about the House of Dragons uh, character. So, but I think it's, yeah, it's interesting what they do with that. It's, it's but uh, I'm loving that so far. I'm I'm actually going to be uh, Lord Corliss for Halloween uh, this year. That's awesome. Oh, that's going to be really cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite movie for me is Bloodsport though. Uh, super cheesy martial arts van damme but that that was that was my that was my vibe that's your jam it's a guilty pleasure <laughs> yeah i i know it's not gonna it you know it's the movie snobs are not gonna be like that's a masterpiece but for me it's a masterpiece <laughs> then it, that's all that counts then it's a masterpiece, then it's a masterpiece. <laughs> exactly uh, so, um what would you say has been the biggest challenge for you in music 
Um, the biggest challenge, I guess, just the the actual industry itself, like how it's changed so much. It's just it's like always evolving, and you have to just keep up. I think like it it used to be that you could just be about your music and be about you know touring, putting out a good record, and standing by that. But now it's all about being like a full on like personality on top of yeah. that with TikTok and Instagram. It's like why can't I just be an like why can't I just be a singer an artist like that's it that's you know but no I have to make content yeah. and it's so funny because I used to really resent it but now I actually like TikTok it's like I, <laughs> I I find the joy in that too now of like creating these little mini videos that are able to dive into some of the tracks on my album in a in a concise and cool way okay. like it's I found like my own little swing of things with it but it's very hard to post consistently and you're supposed to post every day I hate that's like that's probably my biggest challenge yeah I hear that. I hear that. Um, yeah, because it's like not everybody is meant to do that. And it sucks that your success yeah. is so rooted in this weird game. Yeah. I also think it's like it's it's created a type of environment through mu with music that's all fleeting. Everybody just wants a quick hit. Mm. Nobody's into artist development. And I mean, not, not as much, thankfully, in jazz. Like, jazz is one of the few genres where that doesn't really apply. But when I was doing more of the pop stuff, I found that to be a big challenge. It's like people just, people are always looking for the next big thing. You know, they're like, oh, we need the next Adele. We need the next Billie Eilish. I'm like, okay, but who came before Adele? Who came before Billie Eilish? Like, these people are big because they are original. You need originality. But people just want, and I, don't, I don't know. Now I'm going to go on like a whole rant about my core, my, my issues with the industry, but it's not time. Yeah, no, I, I hear that though. It's, um, yeah, I, I work with clients from a design standpoint and they, a lot of times they'll say, well, I want you to design this brand face that's like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's cool if I do, you know, exactly the same version of that. But what you really want to do is stand out. That's, that's what you want. Yeah. So yeah <clears throat> exactly I, I completely agree yeah do you find that um also people reward sorry people reward originality like that's the whole that's the whole thing uh -huh. it's like you want to be one of one you want to have something that no one else can copy and you do yeah yeah I, I the problem with the business people it's it's uh it's that they can't um they can't quantify and repackage originality so it, it baffles them so like the creative people like us were like, we can do it. We can just, we, it's fine. It'll work out. We, we were used to relying on our original ideas that don't have a proven success rate or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to, it's like, if, you, if it moves you, you know what? It's like Quincy always, one thing I learned from him is that like, he, he says that God walks out of the room when you're chasing a hit. Like you have to do something mm. for yourself. You have to do, it has to make the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. And if it does that, then you have something. That's all that matters. That's a bar. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So if there's any piece of advice, actually, you would give an artist coming up, what would that be? Um, you have to really love what you do. Find, find what makes you you, which is a lot harder than it sounds. Um, and sometimes it's a journey to rediscover what makes you you. Sometimes you have it right from the beginning, like I did. And then you got, kind of go away from it. And then you come back to it. And then you're like, oh, right. This is what I was always meant to be doing. Um, but whatever gives you that feeling of like waking up, giving you a purpose. And, and you know, it, that will give you meaning in your life. And 
whether it works or it succeeds or it doesn't is sort of irrelevant at that point. Of course, you want to connect and you want to be able to support yourself to continue doing that. So it does matter to that degree. But the most important thing is to find something that moves you because I think if you're inspired and there's love there, you can't really mess up, right? Like it's like, it's just people will connect to it because they will connect to that purity. Mm -hmm. Whereas like if you're chasing the wrong things, no one's going to connect to it because people are smarter than me give them credit for, you know, like I think people can sniff through a lot of the BS that's out there. You got to just, you really got to hone in on something that is you. And I also would say um, another good piece of advice is to, uh, is to just, again, it's a quote from Quincy, but it's really always stuck with me. He always said that your art can never be more or less than you are as a person. So if you're a good person, your music will reflect that. And so just be good. I think it's important to just always be nice and be good and lead with kindness with whatever you do. Right. Right. That's dope. So um, how can people get the album and how can people support you and follow you and all that comes to it? They could follow me on socials. My uh, handle is just official Nikki, N-I-K-K-I, Y for my last name. So official Nikki. And then um, they can listen to the album on Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Amazon, Pandora, Deezer, anywhere, anywhere <laughs> that you want to stream music, you'll find me. So just type Nikki by Starlight and you'll find the album. <laughs> dope, dope. So Nikki, this has been uh, a pleasure and you're a lovely person. You too. Uh, so thank you. You too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And if you make something, I really do want to see it. If you if you end up listening to this album, no pressure. But if you end up listening to this album while creating something, I would love to see it. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. So I'll send it to okay. you. All right. Cool. Awesome. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate review or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening you can find out more about art pays me at artpaysme.com or you can hit me up on twitter instagram facebook and clubhouse i'm at art pays me on all of those platforms with that we're out peace